0: First of all, the healed feminine is going to heal this planet. Not just women. The healed feminine, almost especially in men. Can I deviate away from my condition normalcy,
1: and can I start looking at a much deeper intimacy? When you look inside your heart, you see that your heart really loves life and really embraces life and doesn't have that same fear, and that that's really the, the source of your courage. You first travel into the shadow. How is that how is that how is that impacting my life
0: really shifts the energy so
1: quickly in the mind in the body it's because you're not dismissing you're not fighting the ego you're not fighting the small self you're welcoming it in but you're just saying hey i actually know what i want and i'm choosing to change that for myself Hey, Soul Family, this is your host, Nick Walker, and welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast, the hub of all things physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. The mission here is simple. How can we tap into our highest power and well-being as individuals and leverage that foundation to create more joy, freedom, love, fulfillment, and success? not only for ourselves, but for the world at large. Ben Goreski is a men's coach who focuses on conscious relationship and addiction. He serves as a leader at the Samurai Brotherhood, which is a very well-established men's group, and he is the host of the Evolving Man podcast. This was a fascinating conversation for me. Um, And it was fun. It was super fun to to go deep with Ben on just, you know, man shit. (laughs) Um, And to, I mean, it's amazing because we got to we got to go so deep on just like, you know, not only, you know, navigating this intimate connection with yourself, um, particularly as a man, um, but also, you know, being able to navigate conscious relationship with other people um, particularly women, you know, the feminine. Um, and so we were able to go super deep into conversation on that. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to let the conversation speak for itself because I know you guys will really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I love you and enjoy the show, my friends. Everyone, welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast, and today I bring you Ben Goreski. We, uh, we, we we touched up on his last name right before we started, so I'm, I'm, I made sure I pronounced that right. Um, he's a men's coach, and he's a leader at the Samurai Brotherhood, um, which is a men's community. He's an addiction counselor. He's a conscious relationship um coach and enthusiast. And Mm -hmm. he is the host of the Evolving Man podcast. So Ben, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be on your show. And I'm I'm excited to jam out on all things that I'm uh, excited about in life. So thanks for having me on the show, man.
1: Absolutely. So my first question for you, Ben, is what's alive for you right now?
0: (sighs) What is very alive for me this year is men's work. Um, <clears throat> it's something that I started about five years ago when I joined uh, my men's group. I met uh, my partner, Shalina. Uh, well, it's would uh, we're above six years now. And right away, I knew that I was pretty serious about trying to make things work with this lady. And she's a powerful woman. Strong will, uh, strong in the world, beautiful uh, overwhelming beauty for me uh and i was like i don't i felt myself at my edge and i was like i don't know if i can handle this i feel like i'm going to sabotage it i feel like i'm going to underperform in some way like there's all this stuff going on and 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 i had an opportunity to join a men's group and so i did and and when i went to the open house the guys were like why are you here and i was like cuz i just got into a relationship that I'm fairly sure that, uh, you know, like what I just said to you, like, (laughs) I might not make it if I, if I don't have help. And I also missed, uh, being, you know, strongly connected to, to a group of men, uh, which, which I'd had for most of my life. So, um, I joined this men's group and it changed my life. Those guys saw me deeply and they lit the things on fire that needed to burn in my life and go away. And then they lit a fire under my ass about what I needed to create in my life, and part of that was the podcast. The reason why I have the Evolving Man podcast and and all the other things I'm doing right now is because of my men's group. So I became a leader in that community, the Samurai Brotherhood, and and uh, so this year is is just continued growth in that realm. You know, we're we're, we're at when I joined, we had three groups. There's 50 now and um i'm you know leading the growth in the organization and and pushing it out there more and and just expanding the tendrils and i'm creating my own men's work program because it's just been such a transformational piece of my life
1: dude that's a blessing to have a um to run a, to run across a woman like that that i like how you said it kind <laughs> of pushed you to your edge because i yeah. feel like i mean it's a great Cause it, it's like, if you can handle that, it's like, like, I feel like it's a metaphor for like life, you know, it's representative mm-hmm. to how like, um, just being able to manage like your relationship with anything you can, um, quote unquote, master your relationship with everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well said, man. I used to think whenever, a partner whenever a woman gave me a problem, whenever I was like, which was, she was caught like quote causing a problem in my life. She was telling me this or that wasn't good enough, or she had a problem with this or that I would blame her and I would tell her to go away. Uh, and I would push her away. And, And yeah, slowly as I aged and became a little bit more wise, I realized like, Oh, exactly what you're saying here. It's like, this person is a reflection of me and any challenges that she brings my way are an opportunity for me to grow. And I've been pushing those opportunities away and blaming her and judging her and um, rejecting her, and rejecting those opportunities at the same time. And so I started to see that like, you know, I'm attracted to women because they're the embodiment of the feminine. And I, in many, you know, the majority of it is the embodiment of the masculine. And I'm attracted to that because it's my opposite. And if I, you know, my ego wants to push it away, but there's a push pull going on. My ego wants to push it away, but I'm also seeking union with her and with this other energy that is, seems so magnetic and entrancing to me, you know? And so if I can work through my ego's BS, if I can get past those things, I can actually find a deeper level of intimacy which i'm actually seeking i'm just not really willing to admit to myself so um that process is um you know now what i understand as like conscious relationship and and understanding that and doing that consciously Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that's beautiful man it's like a it's like a grand challenge (laughs) it has Mm -hmm. its ups it has its downs but it's like it's fun to dance um So, Ben, who are you, and how would you describe your relationship to the divine?
0: Who are you is a very interesting question. Uh, And, you know, your next question follows quite uh, appropriately. You know, there's an exercise sometimes that that, uh, we do in workshops where you sit in front of another person, and they ask you who are you and you say like i am man i am a human i am ben i am uh passionate i am light i am dark i am honest uh and and he says who are you and he just keeps asking and until your mind starts to run out of answers as to like who you are. And this is a Zen koan. Essentially it's a, it's a Zen koan practice, which is to sort of like knock on the door when, and you don't know who's there to answer. Right. Um, and it's to sort of trip out the part of your mind that is identified with meat space and, um, create some sort of transcendence or separation from this plane. And if you do this for like 15 minutes, it really does sort of get pretty wacky um, for your, for your mind. Um, and so, you know, you ask, what's your relationship to the divine? It's like when you say the divine, in many ways for me, it's like the unknown or the unknowable um mystery, the great mystery. Uh, so I mean that, yeah, that's, that is how I describe it. I don't, uh, there's no like singular, uh, deity that I worship. Uh, but I do feel that I know that our existence is one plane of existence and that there are many others and that perhaps we came from one of those planes to this plane to play this game for, as long as the body survives and then when the body uh moves on uh the soul leaves the body or whatever it is we move to uh, back to the other planes of existence so that's sort of how i've um come to understand it throughout the years and through psychedelic use and uh uh things like that yeah
1: well put man and so i want to give i kind of i want to get it i want to um dive deep with you, you know, as it pertains to like, traveling those planes of existence and and dimensions. And I really want to hear about, over time, how has your relationship with, you know, what some people would call darkness or the shadow, you know, how has your relationship with that uh, transformed and evolved over time? And how have you been able to, or how would you just describe the process of you Um, navigating those dimensions
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so in my younger years I had no idea who I was or you know I was just trying to form that and feeling around in the dark which is I think what we're all doing at some level and I had a lot of pain inside me and I didn't know how to deal with it and I ended up using a lot of drugs and I ended up in rehab at a young age I could have gone down way farther than I did. I ended up in rehab with kids who were like, they had spent many more years out there using. Um, So in a sense I was lucky. Um, But what essentially what the process that they did with me there for like 13 months was purging that purging my pain, my darkness, my shame, uh, my secrets, you know, all the things that I thought weren't ever going to be talked about in my life. Um, letting that stuff out. And that gave me freedom. And from there, I went into addiction from uh, recovery from addiction, uh, and started doing better in my life. And, and then later, around the time I joined the men's group, I got into shadow work, uh, group shadow work. And the process was familiar to me, because I had done it when I was uh, a teenager. And Basically, the understanding is that uh, as humans, we have a tendency to categorize things as appropriate or not appropriate. Okay in the world, not okay in the world, right? And the not okay things in the world are okay to watch on TV. We'll watch them in shows. You know, we'll watch murder and rape and uh, all the bad shit uh, on TV, and it's cool to watch, but uh, it's not okay in the real world. We have to hide it. And uh, that's sort of how that how we express the shadow you know um but that's not how we express the shadow what ends up happening is we end up doing that stuff and 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 hiding you know we we have um we act out in all kinds of ways and uh that creates shame because it's not okay to talk about and it makes it worse and so then we act out more and so a lot of us can get in these stuck in these loops whether it's an addictive cycle or or um, just a shame cycle of certain ways of behaving and um you know the process of saying like these things are okay these things are not okay okay we're gonna reject these things and we're gonna lock them up and never look at them is uh it's us trying to control ourselves and each other but it's actually it creates a split inside ourselves and it's actually a disconnection from self and it actually makes things worse. You know, this is what Carl Jung, uh, what all this his theory was around, um, was the splits inside of the self. And that to heal the self, you actually have to bring the self back together. And that means bringing the dark shit out and revealing it. And that's what happened to me in rehab. So um, shadow work at its, at its uh, basic level, is illuminating the things which we hide and owning them hundred percent not just like saying it like all right I'm gonna say it I did this bad thing you know and everyone goes it's okay it's okay You're like okay I did my shadow work not really um, there's layers and layers to it and it's it's really about ownership owning things that you did owning parts of your mind thoughts that you have dark thoughts that you have and the funny paradox is that like the more spaces we give to people to talk about the dark shit that they're thinking about the dark stuff they've done uh, the less finger pointing we're gonna have in the world and 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 uh, you know like there's you know there's like Twitter mobs lynch mobs now you know out to like get everybody anytime anybody steps out of line to me it's a sign that you know our collective shadow is actually growing the shadow is is growing and absorbing the people and and so we're like trying to keep it in we're pointing at it but we're pointing at the wrong people We need to be pointing at ourselves and looking at our own stuff and creating more space to to um, to speak safely you want to talk about a safe space a safe space is where people can say sometimes I think about killing people and not get lose their job and and have their whole life destroyed by the Twitter mob right uh we need those spaces we need that opportunity to clear all of our uh things that we're hiding because those things are a part of us it's just our human nature that nobody's perfect we're not all love and light you know and um and that's okay we're all that's that's all of us So yeah, that's my relationship to, uh, to shadow work. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it because I've seen like having seen addiction for so many years and see what addiction does to people and see what society does to addiction. It like makes it bad and we make it illegal and you're throwing addicts in jail. Right. Um, it just makes it worse. Right. And what I've seen the solution where people have a safe space to express themselves, feel their pain, to look crazy, you know, uh, To be unhinged for a while uh and to share their darkness um that's where the healing happens uh so i really believe in in creating that kind of a space and doing that kind of work with people
1: yes man it's very interesting that you know something that i've noticed uh quite a lot recently is like whenever i allow myself to feel something (laughs) to feel something very uncomfortable I'll notice how quickly my mind will want to resort to blaming it on something external. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just like something that just something completely irrelevant to what it is that I'm actually feeling. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like I'm just noticing the mind projecting and that's a sign that I'm really getting deep here, you know? Yeah. And I also like what you said about hiding. Because I think that is like I mean, if I could put it simply, like that's what I'm spending every moment of every day trying to unravel is like, I want to stop hiding. I don't want to live in a reality where things are hidden. I want to live in a place where everything's illuminated. Um, So, I mean, for example, um, and and this is a thing like me saying this right now is like me, like not hiding. (laughs) Uh, So for example, um, I live with, three roommates. And um, I know one of them very well, two of them not so much. Um, it was like a random selection type thing. And one of them that I don't know very well, he, he walked in the door yesterday. Um, and it was interesting because whenever he opened the door, there was a part of me that for some reason, like I didn't want to say hello for whatever reason Mm -hmm. I was eating my dinner and I was feeling just very calm, whatever. Like, you know, sometimes like whenever, um, you're really in a place of like unification and and integrity, it it seems like there's, there's no limit to like, what is natural. Like even, like even, even if it goes against the conventional or Mm -hmm. a mainstream definition of what love is of what, you know, whatever that means. Um, It seems like there's really no limit or no rules in that sense. Um, Yes. So as he walked in, I noticed um, he said hello, but it was from a place of obligation. And I said hello back from a place of obligation. And I thought about it later on. And I was like, Okay, next time in a situation like that, I'm just gonna have to open and say, Hey, man, like, if you don't want to say anything like you don't have to <laughs> like neither of us have to like it doesn't mean that there's um you know what i mean like like it's just kind of like coming out of the hiding and like there's nothing yeah just coming out of that obligation energy and like the pretending and like all of these things like it doesn't mean yeah. that i have a problem with you if i don't want to say hello in a certain yeah. moment you know so yeah. that's alive for me <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and that, that would probably be a beautiful conversation to have with one another because you can get a little more real, you can go a layer deeper with each other mm. by having that conversation, right, and, <laughs> and that, is, that is one of the, the best tools in conscious relating is, is just sitting down and having authentic conversation about what's coming up for you and where you feel like you may, may be holding back from the other person. Uh, you know, where you may be caretaking yourself or the other person. You know, one of my teachers, uh, we call him T, uh, P.T. Misselberger is his author name. He says, uh, you know, in any of these processes, the best thing that you can do is be total. Just be 100% and don't hold back, you know, and you're going to find all kinds of gems in those places it won't be it might not be super smooth you know like he used to uh live in these how these communal houses where the purpose of everybody living together was to challenge one of each other's egos and to and to like sort of back those things into a corner because living with roommates is not easy you know uh you have a particular way that you want to live in your space and and you have a bubble right and you're all kind of in each other's bubbles And so your shit comes up, your stuff from childhood, the way that you project onto other people, the way that you snap at people when you're kind of, um, having some emotions, you know, you make it them, you know, instead of you, Shaleen and I call each other on that all the time. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure you're just snapping on me right now because you're stressed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but having those conversations allows you to, to integrate more learning and, and yeah, lands you back in a place where you feel more free and authentic you know mm-hmm. in the moment because yeah. you're able to just speak to what's going on and and the name of the game of the norm is to not talk about stuff and not ruffle feathers don't say anything maybe he's thinking this or maybe he's thinking that you bringing this up might hurt him or it's not your business you know mm-hmm. uh, hide 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 all the way into a place where nobody knows each other Nobody feels like they're seen and everybody just desperately wants to be seen. Right.
1: Yeah. Everyone's just feeling something uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like cause yeah. it's not comfortable at all whenever we're hiding. Yeah. It's like if something comes up, maybe it's uncomfortable for a second, but like it, once it's brought to the light, you know, there's, there's freedom. There's like more, there's space to move. So like if I'm out to dinner with someone and We've had the dinner planned for a week, and for whatever reason, I'm feeling like, um, like this is an actual example. Like, I, I I was just feeling weird. You know what I mean? Like, I was just feeling like kind of not down, but a little dull. You know, a little just like, you know, not very energetic or whatever. And I was like, I have to accept this part of me right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I have, and so I, and so I'm gonna express that, and I'm not gonna like try to change it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah
0: that's the way man is is and it's not always going to be uh easy to do that because you like i said you might ruffle some feathers but it it's important to remember that there's no right way to be you know that like the right way to be is kind of socially conditioned it's like what you're talking about with like how you, you both said hi because you thought you had to you felt it out of obligation maybe that's what he was feeling maybe that's not what he was feeling that's the only reason why you want to have the conversation mm-hmm. so that you can clear that out of your mind. And so you cannot make assumptions about what's going on for another person, because we are projectors. We tend to just project what we're thinking onto other people and build a story. And you can easily get into, into, um, story with roommates. This guy never empties the dishwasher. He never pulls his weight. I'm pulling all my weight around here. You know, every, everybody's walking around thinking that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like nothing's getting done. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but basically, yeah. Like there's no, there is no right way to be really, you know, like, should you talk about that on the date or should you just, uh, you know, just let it slide and not tell her or or him or whoever you're on the date with, like what, what does your heart say? Like what's true for you, you know? And yeah. How can you be free? How can you be free and authentic in the moment? You know, without obviously gratuitously hurting other people or, or like
1: um you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um Yeah. So this is something I wanted to bring up with you, which I thought was super interesting, and this goes into conscious relating particularly with the feminine. And so what I notice sometimes within myself. And I'm not and I'm not even going to try to be a scientist right now and like pinpoint exactly what it is. But I'm just gonna express like what actually from my perspective seems to be the case. It seems that it seems that sometimes whenever a feminine whenever I'm with a feminine woman, and she enters this place of like feeling emotion, like whatever the emotion may be, maybe it's like a lot of joy or a lot of pleasure or a lot of sadness, whatever. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I'll go there with her, but oftentimes I really don't. And I, and I can almost shame myself for that, for having no desire to go there with her and to simply just observe and to witness it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like the shame kind of comes from a place of like, oh, like you're not, um, I don't know perhaps it seems like
0: i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah i know what you mean and i i think most men struggle with this uh if not all of us 100 percent of us <laughs> it's funny like i feel like women are, are actually really good at holding space for each other most of the time like i when i see them doing that they're they're just right in it they're sort of swimming in it together you know <laughs> Uh, and I have the same pattern that you have. In fact, I was just writing about it. Like Shalina and I are doing a uh, a couples program. Like we're taking someone else's program this weekend. It's John Wyland is a, mm. is a, one of the men that we look up to the most in, in the relationship space. And so we're doing his Valentine's immersion. And they sent a form uh, to each of us. We had to fill out. And I, I said, what do you want to work on? And I wrote like. I want to get better at being in emotional space with my partner because when she's feeling sometimes i'm like there and i'm empathic with her but a lot of times i'm i'm either like sort of withdrawn passive or sometimes i'm actually intolerant of her emotions and i'm like i'm pushing them away i'm rejecting them and I have some ideas as to why that is, but uh, I still i have been practicing it for years, and it's still a huge work in progress. You know, um, and some of that work, uh, or or some of the progress that you can make, comes from understanding uh, how your relationship with your mother impacted how you see women and how you see the feminine, uh, perhaps even your relationship with your father because your father modeled how to be with the feminine if he was around if he wasn't around you know there's a there's a whole other thing there and also you know just access to tools and understanding and um cultural norms let's say right like this process of just rejecting a woman whenever she's feeling something for me was like it was It was, it seemed like a product of my culture. Like, I I was never taught by other guys that we should consider the feelings of the gals in our lives. (laughs) You're really quite selfish when you're younger, you know? So, I I did see women as sort of objects of pleasure and, uh, you know, come and be with me and give me what I want, but I'm not gonna um, really extend and uh, give you what you want. And, you know, so seeing through some of that stuff can really help with your willingness to uh, hold space. Um, Mm -hmm. But then doing is a whole other thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel you. I feel you. Um, Do you want to go deeper into that?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Because, yeah, I mean... It's interesting because I'm like kind of just now noticing it, but it's like yeah, like it, it's very easy to feel like an asshole almost, or like a bad, a bad partner, a bad friend, you know. Um, when it's like no, like I kind of don't, I don't really want to go there. Like I'll be here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but it like like to be straight up, like it's almost like a part of me like doesn't care about the emotional aspect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I do notice this part of me that that's trying you know he's trying his best to not really to meet her there as best as i can
0: yeah yeah and as a starting point the best thing that you can do is just is accept your reality and see your limitations in that moment and just notice notice it and you know that allows you to gather data over time uh in a more sustainable way, you know, when you're not eating the shit out of yourself, <laughs> right? For for not being good enough. And you can just see like, oh, like I'm not, I'm not swimming in this with her. I'm sort of withdrawn, but I'm also feeling like being where I am. Why am I feeling like being where I am? Or and you can take that time afterwards to debrief and talk it out with other people. But um, the main thing that's super important is not to reject yourself for what you're doing in the moment, right? Because that ends up leading to, uh, either you'll pull away from that person or you'll, you'll try to run from that situation again, or it makes it worse. Right? So for instance, in my life, <clears throat> like I said, you know, I may have recorded a couple podcasts on holding space, but I'm not really great at it. I'm also a trained counselor and I've been criticized many times by women. They're like, aren't you a counselor? Like, you suck at these (laughs) things. And of course that I, when I take that really seriously, I'm like, uh, I feel really bad about it. And I, I, I beat the crap out of myself. I, I, I build shame Mm -hmm. and shame as we know, is sometimes described as toxic because it, it does kind of eat away at who you are. It deflates you, you know? And so early on when, um, my my now wife would be feeling something intense if it was about us if it was about our relationship it's about a way that i am or how i didn't listen to her or how we got into a fight in the car um and she was telling me like you don't listen to me you don't. i don't feel like you're respecting me because you're interrupting me and you're trying to change my emotions and and you don't know how to hold space you know she kind of go there um that would make me angry because I actually felt ashamed about that. And what I would do with my anger is I would push back against her. i push back against myself. I'd push away from the situation. I'm a fairly avoided person in conflict. So I'll run and be like, I'm out of here, going to the gym, you know? (laughs) And that wasn't good for the relationship, you know, that me taking that on, and eating that shame for dinner it wasn't good because it it, yeah like i said it led to that anger and those lashing out episodes you know and so later on as i learned to just like sit with her and at least own those things like she's calling me on it like yeah you're not very good at holding space you're not like you're just trying to solve my emotions right now and this is kind of shadow work too like being like yeah you know what there is a part of me that's trying to like solve you right now mm-hmm. because I don't understand what you're going through. And I do think it's like a misunderstanding or a miscommunication um, or yeah, I do feel disconnected from this right now. And I feel a little bit numb. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it reminds me of something in childhood that happened and I shut down emotionally. I don't know, but that's where I'm at right now. And, and I'm sorry, I can't be more there for you than I am. You know, just that process is way more ownership than um, the self-flagellation that can occur in your mind about you not being good enough. And Like, I want to be the best man. I want to be the ultimate husband, the ultimate partner, you know, that she speaks about to everyone. And that, you know, I want to be John Wyland. you know, he gets <laughs> thrown around our house a lot, that guy's name, you know, but I'm not. And, uh, I can kick the shit out of myself for it, or I can own it that I am who I am and that I have the flaws that I have. Right. So that's a good start. Yeah. You know, like, I I don't know why you, you weren't in that particular situation, feeling really feeling and like super into it with her. There's, there's a hundred things that could have been going on, but, um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. You brought up the the topic of solving of trying to like solve her emotions which totally resonates with me cuz it's like cuz it's like you want you want the emotion to go away, right? And I feel yeah. like this in in the bigger picture uh kind of like we were talking about earlier like it all makes sense cuz that's <laughs> I feel like that's what we humans tend to do in general. You know, that's what I can that's what I can tend to do in general sometimes where it's like an emotion will come up something super uncomfortable. And instead of really just sitting there and feeling the emotion, and just letting it be there. I'll try to come to these conclusions. You know, I'll mm-hmm. try to solve that. I'll be like, okay, like, what is like, what are the action steps? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, okay, like, what do I need to do next? Do I need to do this or this? And it's like, no, like, just sit here. Yeah. Um, And to even go as far as to like, project the emotion that you're feeling right now into the future and to say like like it's crazy what my mind can do sometimes where where it'll be like okay if i'm you know like what's going to happen if i'm still feeling like this in an hour you know what i mean when when like the emotions like they aren't really like that you know what i mean like they're kind of here one moment and they're gone the next and so Mm -hmm. yeah i'd love to go deep with you on that kind of like that whole like analysis of our emotional experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's good to understand ourselves and, um, it's kind of what we're doing right now on this podcast, right? We're debriefing and talking about these situations that happen. Um, guys are so we go to intellectualism to, uh, pop us out of the heart, right? We're feeling something in the heart, we're feeling something in the gut up into the brain thinking about it i'm gonna like ruminate about this and think about the future an even more abstract concept right and that's that takes us out of there it's it's like uh it's a sophisticated avoidance technique that we use inside of ourselves a lot and it seems to work a lot of the time right it allows us to compartmentalize we can move on we can move forward but then when we're sitting with another person who's feeling something and we can't, we don't have all that control maybe they don't even want to intellectualize. They actually do want to feel, especially if they're feminine. Uh, and there's also a length of time that, that there's usually a a dissonance or a difference there between partners in terms of a length of time that a person feels something, you know, uh, or an intensity, you know, Uh, I've found that guys like we, we kind of, we can move through emotions pretty quickly. We, we kind of blow them out. They're a little bit more explosive, right? Which is why they can be a little more dangerous. Um, but we just, we kind of pop and then whew, we feel much better. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the way I've seen it work in therapy in groups, guys explode and then they feel like a huge weight is off their shoulders.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like and afterwards <laughs> you feel like a baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, it can happen in just 10 minutes, five minutes, five minute process, you know? Guy comes, he's like, ah oh, this and that, and we're like, tell us more. And he's like, oh and they're like, You're really feeling something right now. Why don't you grab that pillow and scream? Ah okay, push against these guys. Ah there's like a big struggle. And then he relaxes and he cries for a bit. And then ten minutes later he's like, Guys, I feel amazing. <laughs> you know? Uh that's kind of the classic. And uh it doesn't always happen that way, but you know, um and what i've noticed for women is that it's it's slower and more flowy and longer and more extended and you know for men there often has to be like we actually use anger to pop us through our feelings our feelings are kind of like hidden behind a wall of anger a lot of the time or you know sometimes like a wall of numbness you know um oftentimes the wall of numbness and depression is actually in front of the wall of anger we totally deny that our anger exists and we deny that our feelings exist. And we just think that, uh, you know, feelings are for weak people and so, are, so is anger. And we just intellectualize everything, right? Um, so I got lost, but I mean, tell me more. Do you wanna know, give me a question.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> Um, and it's easy, like in in, like one of those moments, to like, you know, I like how you kind of just open right into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just like
0: like, analysis. Um, Yeah. So I mean, uh, yes, it's important to feel what we need to feel in the moment, and men especially need to learn how to do that. Women need to learn how to do that too, because they've learned that their emotions aren't safe. You know, we all, so many of us learn when we're kids that when we're having an emotion and we're trying to express ourselves, our parents like throw us in our room or spank us, right? At least my generation did. Mm-hmm. And so what we learn is that it's not okay to feel, right? And so we all come into adulthood with those adaptations and we just hide our feelings behind different walls of, of other more appropriate stuff, more appropriate, right? So our feelings essentially just get pushed into the shadows and, um, So, like, I think as a collective, if we want to learn how to get out of the mess that we're in, we need to learn our emotions more deeply. And we need to have more spaces to uh, feel and express openly and authentically. Yeah.
1: Because, yeah, because it's like, because I want to go with you into addiction, right? And you know how, you know, kind of overcoming um, those types of, you know, patterns but it's like, I already kind of know, I mean, we all kind of already know the answer. It's like, I mean, yeah, there can be some logical methods and practices that we can do. But it's really just feeling it's 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 really just allowing yourself to feel in whatever way, you know, maybe that's with another person, or maybe that's alone. But it's like, just allowing yourself to feel and it seems like every day and every moment, there's actually, at least in my life, there's so much that wants to come up and I really have to like, cause I mean, it's not like, like sometimes like, especially recently, like I will be sitting with something and I'll be like, like there's almost like this thought that like, I'm literally not strong enough to sit with this. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, no, like I, I, I have to like, like I, I, I have to, cause I know that it, it, it's going to come up later anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah that's a good attitude to take. And, you know, if there's a part of you that thinks that you have to do everything alone. Notice that because that actually keeps you separate from other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, we froze for a sec. Yeah, we're all good. so that that part of you that 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 wants to suffer alone or thinks that you need to suffer alone it actually just keeps you more separate from other people right and in my opinion most feelings and most processes are you work through them in a better way when they're witnessed by other people and there is someone there to reflect and understand and share their own experience and to just see you in your vulnerability we all love to go and hide when we're vulnerable like you know hide behind a bush and feel our feelings and then come back out and wipe out our tears you know uh but that just pushes feelings further into the shadow so like you're doing the collective a favor when you reach out for help to someone see like hey can you come over while I like spew some anger or cry on your shoulder because I'm feeling all these feelings from my breakup or I'm grieving this person that I lost in my life like you reach out for help like that you're doing whole world a favor by bringing feelings out of the shadow and into the light you know Mm -hmm. um and like like i was saying earlier like there's a there's a piece of us that seeks to be mirrored in another person and that's all parts of us you know all the shadow work is best done with other people you can do shadow work on your own like acknowledge some of your dark thoughts and write them down maybe that's a good start but standing in front of one person or 10 people or 50 people and owning the darker parts of your mind is like you're turning up the dial and you're you're turbocharging on that work you know and uh so yeah I, i i'm a real advocate of of people doing this stuff together feel together don't like suffering on your own feeling all on your own is is uh it's one of those stories that we're carrying in our society that just makes us sicker.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of things there I feel like I mean with with me first and foremost it's like yeah, I can I can still think of things that I have never voiced ever <laughs> to anyone. Yeah. Um where I feel like I've yeah, I've gained a lot of progress on it by um by working on that within myself, by working with it, by being with it um and the discomfort that i may feel or like whatever um but it's like yeah like you said it's like it's still another level if you're able to really voice that and kind of own it um and bring it to the light and then what i also notice is that there, there, there can be some shame there uh when it comes to within me, I've noticed that I, I I like to be alone to process mm-hmm. um, and, and to sit with that stuff. And sometimes I'll notice an inclination to reach out to someone or whatever it may be. But I feel that it won't be received. well. I, I feel like that I'm dumping my baggage onto them and that it's unwanted. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And perhaps, yeah, perhaps that goes back to you know, like, you know, mother father wounds
0: hmm It's classic. You're illuminating this thing that like our we're we are a burden on other people. Where where are you living?
1: Syracuse, New York.
0: Syracuse, New York, yeah. I'm I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So Canadians, you guys know us as very polite, right? Oh, don't burden the other people. Don't get in the way. So sorry, right? We're we're sorry is like our number one word over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I sometimes think of that when, when I think of this cultural story that like any of your crap is a burden on other people right like don't get in anybody's way but it's just more of the like individualistic um mindset that i think has got us sick you know like there are other cultures where people are honored to hold that for each other other cultures that are more intertwined with each other's lives And, I mean, when we look at them, it can seem really invasive because they're, like, really involved with each other's marriages and, like, (laughs) it's, like, super in there. But there's also something, some beauty in that. You know, everything has its trade-offs. There's also some beauty in that, that, you know, like, it's almost like you have a responsibility to bring your stuff so that other people can hold it, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're doing them a favor. And it's just interesting to play with that, that thought that, like, wow, that doesn't seem so wrong either, right? And yet I was feeling wrong for, like, wanting to reach out. So, uh, yeah, I find it sometimes useful to, like, entertain what the opposite would be of what I'm feeling or what my instincts are, and then to go go try it out, you yeah. know? Because that's how you, you start to really find, like, what's going to work for you. And for me, like, being a counselor and a coach for most of my adult life, I as long as I'm not like in the middle of the craziest day ever, when someone reaches out to me and they need help and I'm able to give them half an hour and they're like, wow, man, that really helped. Thank you. Like this, is, this, you really just like release some pressure for me and I feel seen and like, that's the best feeling ever. Like they did me a favor. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, know, we don't. We're sort of out of touch with that, I think, and maybe our maybe it's because we live in an individualistic society where everything's a product. We're just buying from each other. You know, you pay for money rules the world. Whereas, like one hundred fifty years ago, in villages, like everybody was interactive and like helping each other out all the time. You know, they were carrying each other's burdens. Um. So, yeah, in some ways, I feel like we need to get learn how to get back to that and learn how to be. you call it like revillaging. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I really like that word. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you mentioned for a second there, I think you said um, going against your instincts, right? Um, to kind of find the truth, mm-hmm. like navigating through that dark water. So, a question that I had for you is Have you ever had that moment? Where it feels like you literally cannot trust a single thought that enters your mind. Mm-hmm. And if so, how did you respond to that? Because honestly, like, I mean, the mind can get so damn polluted to the mm-hmm. point where it's like, I don't know what I should do. Like, all, I, like, literally, the only thing that I can do is just sit here is it, to yeah. literally just sit here and feel, you know, yeah.
0: Great question. Um, I've had many of those times in my life where I'm like, I don't know what is going on here. I don't know what's right. And, you know, when I landed in rehab, that was the first big one, you know? And you're right. Like your mind can get so polluted, especially these days if you're, if you're especially during COVID, like if you're a single person who doesn't have much contact with other people and you have a lot of contact with media we all know how media algorithms work you just go down a rabbit hole on youtube you know on monday you're like just feeling kind of sad and cut off from the world and on friday you think that you know the world is flat the covid was planned and you know that uh trump is saving the world (laughs) right it's like and it's just through like going down some sort of rabbit hole but um the best way that I have found to work through that stuff is by having a group of trusted people around you. This, this is another reason why the village is so important. Like the guys that got me out of my addiction was my group in rehab. Those guys who, through my sharing and through them seeing me for who I am, were able to guide me to the person that I could be, you know and they were able to say like, hey man, these parts of you, you need to let go of those parts. This part of you, you need to do some work on. This part of you over here, I really like that part of you, man. Like, I want to see more of that. You know, I like this part of you. I like that part of you. And they did that every day for 13 months until I came out of there with like, what felt like a reshaped character. And maybe I was brainwashed, but my life is working better. (laughs) You know, and, you know, I've always said to guys, um, when they're like, I don't know what's true. I don't know what I should do. Um, what I learned on step two of the 12 step program, which is, uh, came to believe that a higher power could restore us to sanity. Um, guys are like, what is that all about? And I say, what it's really about is the fact that if you're left at the helm to fly your own life it's probably not gonna go that great. It'll go like, it might go okay, it could go pretty bad, and you're lucky if it goes really good on your own. You're really lucky. If I handed over your life to a trusted group of advisors, just normal people, not like doctors and psychologists, like just a group of well-intentioned humans, 10 of them, and they had to vote on like how you're gonna live your life and and every movement Okay, he's going to do this on Monday mornings, Tuesday mornings, he's doing this. This is what he's going to do for his work because it's most aligned with, with who he really is and what his skills are. And yes, he should take that job or no, he shouldn't. Yes, he should do this relationship. No, he shouldn't. You'd have a fantastic life. It may be without risk, you know, <laughs> but it, things would go well because other people can take those objective decisions on what you should do and we're so embedded in our own feelings in our own programming that we actually tend to self-sabotage we tend to not make the right decisions a lot of the time we get confused we get stuck in analysis paralysis right and like literally if you handed over your life to a group of people like that and they were willing to like extend that amount of energy you would do better probably i always say that to people and it's not to disempower them it's just to illuminate the fact that like we're just not that great at running our own lives and that we really do need each other, you know? So for me, for most men, I think having a men's group, a a squad of guys that you literally would trust with your life because that's where you end up. If you do all the shadow work and share all your secrets and you see the same guys every week, you do end up being willing to die for those guys. Uh, Having a squad like that is what every man needs. That's, That's really what I believe now because, um i i've seen men get through the hardest of everything in these squads like losing people in their lives uh severe depression suicidality um breakups divorces all of it you know and the group's there to hold when he feels like he's gonna break Mm -hmm. right uh and that's powerful man it's like a that ceremonial space that people set up when they're doing like rituals and they're, they're dealing with maybe powerful plant medicines or something else. That ceremony is the thing that like holds the thing together without it. It might just hinges might bust off and everybody go flying, you know, and a, a, a group, a small trusted group is like that. It's like a structure that can hold a person's life together, uh, where you would lose it on your own. Mm-hmm.
1: That is so powerful. I, I love the way you described that because the way that I'm thinking about it, where it's like, like yeah, we're kind of like in this box, right? Mm-hmm. That is basically our programming. Um, yep. And our box has edges. And it's like, if that, if there are those people, or, or yeah, it's like listening to the people, perhaps like considering the opinions of people, Um, But from another perspective, it can literally just be considering like, from one perspective, you could call it your intuition. Um, But just like those thoughts that are like, where it's like, there's truth behind it, like you really feel like there may be some truth behind it. But it's scary for you. You know what I mean? Like you kind of try to logic your way out of taking that unbeaten path. Yeah. And I, I just find a lot of value in kind of just being able to open in that way where you can find that sovereignty, that freedom everywhere. So perhaps mm-hmm. you could call this like, a, from like the feminine perspective, almost like a, just being so expanded and, and being able to be free anywhere. Um, you know, of course, you know, from that masculine perspective, it's like, okay, I want to get here. Uh, but so often in my life, I've found that <laughs> from a, from like a wide lens that works, <laughs> that works for me, but from like a micro lens, it, like like you said, it gets me stuck in analysis paralysis and stuck even deeper into my own programming. And mm-hmm. there's so much value in just being able to listen to some type of guidance to tune into, to feel into some type of guidance that is, even if it's scary, that, that is asking you to deviate from your own programming. Mm-hmm. So I know I was a little all over yeah. the place there, but I, you know, did my, ben- did, did my best to condense that for the listeners.
0: Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about, you know, what that brought up for me is that um, we often think that there's a place to get to or somewhere to go or some goal to achieve. And, you know, I'm, goal-oriented guy but uh it can get depressing just sort of going from goal to goal and trying to solve problems for just for the sake of solving problems and like is that really my purpose in life you know and if you want to go a layer deeper in terms of what to focus on as you move through your life like yeah cool set goals move in a direction but for me life is like It's about learning how to be in the moment, you know, like my ultimate purpose is present now all the time, regardless of any goals that may or may not be worked on at the moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So it's like, it's not so much what you do. It's like how you be in life. That's more in line with your purpose and more important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy on the spiritual path to get into that place of striving, Mm -hmm. where you shame yourself for every decision that you think you made wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or, you know, you're trying to make the perfect decision. And um, I was thinking about this the other day, I was like, the dance of life may invite us to be sharp and soft at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in every moment it's just like, it, it's like there, there is somewhere to go, but at the same time, like there isn't anywhere to go. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yin and Yang, man. Yeah. Qigong. <laughs> Qigong is all about being strong and flexible like a tree. Right. And so they like teach you these movements and some of them are like really activating, but in the end, it's all about like this sort of strength and flexibility you know and and yeah I mean what you there was so much polarity in what you just described the yin and the yang you know mm-hmm. the flexibility and the sharpness at the same time like a samurai sword you know yeah um, it's huge and and it's really important to remember that in life that like we're really here to just experience life and a, a gratitude practice has been tremendously helpful for me in reducing stress and bringing me into the present moment it's like when you zoom way out on the spiritual level that like we're talking about here like what are you here to do you know it's it's not to like build a business or you know like <laughs> you're here to just be here and to play this game and to like be present for it so open your eyes wake up you know so for me that's what Conscious relationship work and men's work is all about. It's about waking up, opening your eyes, and and the my worst nightmare for people is to be numb, not feeling, uh, feeling lacking in vitality in their lives, not knowing why they're here, um, and forgetting like the gifts of life that are right in front of them, you know, mm-hmm. taking for granted perhaps the little beautiful things that are right there in front of them. Uh, so that's my mission is to like do that for myself and to share that with other people and, and share the tools that have woken me up. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Dude, what came to my mind when you were talking about that is like, and what I was mentioning before is okay. So me personally, like in my life, I find that I'm most comfortable whenever I'm initiating things. So perhaps that's just like a core masculine, whatever energy within me, but like I feel most comfortable when I'm initiating. And I will say like a majority of the time I initiate, whether it's in my relationship or like whatever. And it was interesting. There's so much that wants to come up here. So I was at dinner with a feminine friend the other night and we were deciding on an appetizer. And I felt this pressure to initiate. But it wasn't coming from a place of a genuine desire to initiate. It was coming from like a program of like, okay, you're the masculine and you should initiate right now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and help guide to a decision for um, the appetizer. And a part of me was like, no, like I, I kind of... Like I, like, I don't... You know what I mean? Like, I kind of mm-hmm. just, like, want to open and just, like, receive a little bit. Um, yeah. And um, where was I going with that?
0: What did you do? What did you end up doing?
1: So at first, there was a thought that came to my mind. And the thought was actually for her to surprise me by choosing the appetizer because we had a free appetizer uh-huh. um yeah. and there was a lot of resistance around that because I was like oh my god you know what I mean okay I mean there, there was you a had lot your of your
0: own resistance there was a
1: yeah for me yeah there was a lot of resistance around that because I was like dude like as the masculine you cannot do that you know right. what I mean like you cannot you cannot do that and that's not what we ended up doing but what I did do is I just brought that whole me I, I brought all of that mess going on within me to, to attention. I brought it to, um, like I expressed it and I was like, like whenever I noticed myself trying to be like very rigid in that way, I was like, okay, like let's just cut all the bullshit and just like figure out what we want as an advertiser. And so while there was, um, like while on the micro level, there was like a lot of disorganization and messiness, um, and fluidness, you know, and all of that. It was like I was still almost stepping into that initiation anyway by kind of bringing it to the light. And it was almost oh. like there was like um it was like the bedrock. <laughs> it's like my initiation of it was like the bedrock if that makes sense. Um yeah. But and so yeah, I just noticed like in my life like there are a lot of times where I really just don't want to initiate like where I'd rather not like I texted one of um you know a close friend of mine and I was like hey like a male friend of mine and I was like hey like um I'm invested in the continuation of our friendship um but it does concern me or confuse me at times whenever I'm the only one initiating us meeting up and you know Mm -hmm. like getting together and so I was like, you know, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't desire to be in this connection, if you don't desire to relate for any longer, then I'm very okay with that. However, uh, it would make me more comfortable and bring me a little bit more peace of mind if um, I felt there was almost like a reciprocation or if there was like a little, you know, if, if I wasn't initiating all the time. Well,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool. two situations. So the first one, um did you end up choosing the appetizer
1: I believe I did yeah yeah it was it was it uh, was, it was it was messy but I did
0: yeah uh, it's hard to know everything that was going on in that situation but very cool that you notice your own uh, disorganization your own perhaps uh, stories about what you're supposed to do as the male in that situation uh which I will say like, no, you don't have to do that. If you don't want to make the choice, you can just say that you don't want to make the choice and then she'll react how she wants to react. She might illuminate how she thinks you should be the one to make the choice, you know, but uh, she also may be um, running some control patterns under there, you know, Um, or some expectations about how you're supposed to be. And so you guys could have a conversation about what that looks like and then you could laugh about it. Uh, or make some agreements you know there's an opportunity there for deeper connection if you talk about what's coming up what you're thinking what you're expecting of yourself and what you feel like she's expecting of you so in that situation the opportunity is to, is to again just be honest with what you're feeling and ask her what she's feeling if like i'm thinking that you're like pressuring me to like choose the appetizer because like that that's my role is that true like is that am i just thinking that or is that what you're thinking and you know and if she says yes then i mean you, could, you guys go from there if she says no then you're like oh cool well wow. that's interesting right mm-hmm. um in the second situation <clears throat> with your friend um there's another opportunity there because um you know you're Expressing yourself to him and what you're feeling, but it's kind of a one way thing and it's via text, which is really hard to have a a serious conversation over. Mm -hmm. So if you really wanna get vulnerable with them, you could sit down and tell them like how it feels for you that you're the only person who ever extends and that what this brings up for you. Brings up for me that like maybe you don't even like me, that I'm just like being played here, or that I'm you know I'm I think we're in a friendship, but we're not and like brings up my abandonment with my other friend from grade six who just left me and ran off on me and Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering why you don't initiate like am I too forward with you like am I chasing you you know Mm -hmm. uh or are you running away or is there something you're not telling me you know there's all kinds of conversation you guys could have uh if he's willing to be authentic with you about it you know because like I have friends who I have guys who they're the ones pursuing me and I'm not pursuing them. And it's because there's a bit of an imbalance there, you know? Um, and some guys I've had honest conversation with about that. And it's been good for us, you know, because it clears some of that energy, you know, this could go on for 10 years without you airing it. You started it by texting him. So good on you. Mm-hmm. But the next level is to actually sit down and talk about it with the intention of like a having total open an honest conversation and B, coming to a place that feels more authentic for both of you. Cause it doesn't feel authentic for you. It doesn't feel like you're really living your truth when you're constantly having to reach out to this guy. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
1: beautifully yeah. said, man. I, I love everything you said there um, because it all comes back to everything literally just feels better whenever it's brought to clarity like whenever yeah. you express it. So like in the dinner situation, like me bringing that to the light and expressing it, like we were laughing, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that felt good. Cause it was yeah. like, Oh my God, like all of the masks, like all of the beat, like all of the BS, like, like, why are we really here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it kind of <laughs> reminds us of like why we're really here.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's very fun, man. It's fun. This is fun work to do with people. And, um, You don't have to do it in a therapeutic context. You can just do it with each other, um, and use life as your, uh, your, your gameplay board, right? Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. So I have two more questions for you, brother. The first one is what is some soul food for thought that you have for the listeners?
0: You know for me um some people are really tapped into the spirit just like as they are you know my partner for instance she's just like she's a writer she's she's tapped into this creative force she feels connected to the different layers of existence just all the time i i need to punch through kind of like masculine has to punch through feelings you know i need that sort of Kick And so for me, um, the most transformative spiritual experiences in my life have been uh, where I've gone and sat in uh, a traditional context where people do like uh, spiritual ceremonies, whether that's a sweat lodge or ayahuasca ceremony or peyote ceremony or a yopo ceremony. Like I've done all these different like indigenous um, things and I've usually with friends you know so we have like a bonded experience um or even like psilocybin uh i've had transformational and eye-opening uh powerful experiences um engaging with psychedelics and in the right context you now some people just pop them and they go and see base nectar uh or whatever but uh Doing it in an intentional space with safe people and and uh, safe facilitators and safe substances uh, is uh, it could just be a massive experience that connects you to uh, deeper layers of yourself and deeper layers of spirit. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I encourage people when they feel ready to to do that. I mean, most people experiment on their own anyway,s not in a safe space, and so. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the best things I ever did was listen to the calling that I had to, um, go into those deeper layers of myself with psychedelics, uh, because I spent 15 years sober after rehab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so reengaging that those, um, plant medicines and indigenous, uh, ceremonial spaces, uh, has been the number one thing that has connected me to uh spirit
1: my life. Similarly, man. It's um you know, when used with intention, um and when used responsibly, when used with respect. It's not it's not like it does the work for you, but it gives you a pretty clear marker. You know what I mean? So like I wouldn't be able to, I, I wouldn't, perhaps it would have taken me much longer to come to the conclusion that sometimes I need to be sharp and soft at the same time. It would be, it would probably would have taken me much longer to come to that conclusion if I hadn't uh-huh. experienced a, such a clear marker like that.
0: Yep. Yeah, so thank Absolutely. You those lessons, those lessons that are like the deeper spiritual truths, they just pierce right through the veil and come right in, in those moments where you're super open and vulnerable, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, it's the power of the psychedelic process.
1: Yeah, and so my last question for you is, what to you is the meaning of life?
0: <sighs> yeah, um, to me, the meaning of life is, is to live it. and to really feel and experience and touch and savor the experience um you know like it can be when we're really attached to this life and to it going on forever it can be pretty depressing and it can really throw you off your rocker to think that like We're born with nothing. We come into this world. Everything that we acquire while we're here, we will then lose. And that we don't get to choose when it is that we die. You know, um, it can be a daunting thought. And this is the biggest video game ever. And you're here to play however you want to play and do whatever you want to do but enjoy it because as far as we know, you only get one. I mean, the Tibetans think that you get multiples and I sometimes favor that understanding. Curious what my my next life is going to be. But uh, it's sort of a, you're starting from ground zero every time, you know, so like live this thing like you've only got one and really enjoy it, like stop and breathe and enjoy your experiences because Life goes by quick, you know, and we're just here to live, enjoy, and to try to make it better for other people. Try to leave the place better than you, than you found it. Right. So we're, I think we're (laughs) hard to say whether we're doing a great job as a collective right now with that, but, uh, all I can do is worry about myself and, and, uh, what I'm doing. (laughs) So, um, Do your best. Have fun. Love each other. Be grateful.
1: 100% brother. I would like to leave it at that. I think that was well put. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks Nick. Pleasure
0: to be here man. So everyone thank you for listening and I'll see you soon.